about five years ago, I was out with two friends. At the time, this group of friends liked to party hard, as did I. We were a few years out of college living in a resort town. That night, we went out to dinner and then went to a bar. We all did a round of shots when we got to the bar. Immediately after the shot, I felt like I needed to throw up. It was odd because I had not drank much at dinner, and I was very accustomed to taking shots. This was a very bizarre reaction for me. I had been driven there by one of the friends, but I immediately decided I needed to leave. So I got a cab, went home, and felt completely fine when I got home. I would usually have been out until 4am, but I was home by 11pm. I watched TV and went to bed, but the whole night, I had a weird feeling. I woke up the next morning and the two girls I was with had been in a car accident. The person driving was drunk and texting, and she hit a huge telephone pole. The pole fell onto the car, almost splitting the car in half. By the grace of God, the universe something. Neither of them were harmed, but if someone was sitting in the back seat, they would have potentially been dead. I am 100% certain I would have gotten into that car and likely would have been sitting in that seat. I don't F with drinking and driving or anyone who attempts to drink and drive anymore. Sometimes I have a story to tell which could provide one possible explanation to what happened a few years ago. One of my friend went off to a college in California. She spent a few quarters in the student dorms there and felt it was really expensive. So she found herself a place like Townhouse, I think, which had a separate entrance to her living space, a little distance away, and would commute every day to and from her classes, and she'd stay gone for most part of the day. In the first week, she started to notice some signs, her clothes on the floor in the morning. When she would clearly remember she'd left them on a chair, water spilled on the floor in her living room, shower which never seemed to dry completely and little things missing here and there. I remember we used to joke about how she was getting old and forgetful during our calls. This one day, however, she comes home to a broken cup, which she swore was a new one, and she never used it. Later that day, when she was talking about it on a group call, most of us were saying she is being paranoid, and a broken cup was not sign enough that her house is haunted, which at that point she was certain about. This one guy did recommend her to record the house while she was gone. She took his advice, did a bit of research and decided to buy a ring, or some equivalent of it back then, for her front door and some cheap motion sensor camera for her kitchen and living room. The ring got delivered first, and she set it up immediately, while the rest of her stuff was due to be delivered the next day. Next morning, she goes about her day like she always would, gets back home and checks to see what the ring captured. Or to her horror, she sees a two events, one capture of a guy leaving the house and the other, the same guy getting back into the house. The second one was just a few minutes before her viewing. She freaks out as one would expect and he gets out of there, calls the police who come in and arrest this guy, who was basically co-living with my friend in her apartment. Apparently there was an attic door of some sort which my friend never opened, and that had a roof access which he made his home. He would basically wait for my friend to leave, to take a shower, pour himself some coffee, help himself to something from the refrigerator, get out if he needs to and make sure he comes back in before my friend gets back, which used to be pretty late in the evening. 
This incident scarred her, and she chose to move back to the dorms soon after. When she was packing to leave, she found a pillow and some blankets in the walk-in closet in her bedroom, which she never saw when she moved in. That freaked her out even more, because she believes that dude must have spent several nights in the closet while she slept on the bed, and she never knew. It was a typically crisp day when I, Hugh, decided to explore the cut-over area near Larch Mountain, Wyoming. This place, bordered by dense forest on either side, had always intrigued me. I had an adventurous spirit, always have, and the unknown depths of the woods called to me. That day, a cool northern wind blew, rustling the branches of the trees and sending leaves fluttering around me. However, as I moved deeper into the woods, a very pungent odor assaulted my senses. It was an overpowering smell, a scent so strong that it made me feel lightheaded. It seemed to emanate from the darkness of the woods, drawing me towards it. Following my instincts, I ventured further into the forest, trying to locate the source of the smell. After some time, I stumbled upon a dead deer carcass, rotting away amidst the foliage. But oddly, the smell wasn't coming from there. The stench was different, more potent and disturbing. Feeling puzzled but undeterred, I decided to explore another area about a quarter of a mile away. Half an hour had passed since I'd first encountered the smell, and just as I was beginning to think I'd imagined it, the odor reappeared. This time, it was stronger, more nauseating. Then, in the midst of the dense silence of the woods, I heard a strange noise, and it sounded like clicks on the tree trunks coming from the woods on a nearby hill that overlooked my location. The sound was incredibly loud, like the hammering of a hundred-pound woodpecker. The woods, which had been eerily silent moments before, now echoed with the sound of the mysterious clicks. That's when I felt it, a cold rush of fear, a primal instinct to flee. I've always been one for adventure, but this, this was something different. It was a clear message, a warning from the woods. I wasn't welcome there. So, I did what most sensible people would do in a situation like that. I got the hell out TAT there. The woods might call to my adventurous spirit, but that day, they whispered a different message. One of caution and respect for the unknown. I love waking up in the dark and walking the sunrise with my dogs. I didn't intend to own two Huskies and a German Shepherd mix, but they each found me, and I couldn't turn them away. We usually jog about five miles daily, often in the neighborhood, but nearly as often I load us up in the van and drive ten minutes to the wooded metro park. I love it there. They offer some trails that allow quads and motorbikes, some bicycles and skis, some just people, and last year they opened a new one that allows pets, and it's a five-mile loop into the area farthest from the city. We live on the northern edge of town, but in the dark with no leaves on the trees, you can clearly see the red glow of the CVS sign for most of the hike. These are tamed woods, with asphalt paths and concrete fire pits and rangers patrolling regularly, and the hospital behind CVS means there's emergency medical care and walking distance. I was up coughing again in the night. I had a serious case of pneumonia two months ago and was not fully recovered when this sinus infection hit me. I'm past the fever part, so we're walking not yet jogging. Again, 
but after being up in the night, I didn't get up in time to go walk before I dropped my kids off at school, and my youngest had an appointment, and then I had to run a few errands, and then we had unexpected visitors right after school, and then they stayed for dinner, and finally I got the dogs into the van, and we made it to the park just before it started to get dark. I was irritated at all, the little things that had kept me from my walk all day. But as we drove all the way to the back of the park, I realized we'd be walking the sunset, watching it over the lake and the hills and through the bare trees. And the park was clearing out. Now, as it started towards dark, we would very nearly have the place to ourselves and might not have to pull off the path to let others pass us. An amazing number of people who are afraid of dogs hike the pet path. All those little irritations had led up to this singular moment of beauty I would not otherwise have seen and appreciated. This was going to be a really good walk. Funny how life works out when you let it. Where I parked in my spot, at the farthest end of the parking lot, by the bathrooms. A mile long people walkers or joggers only path looped through the woods, and by the lake and came out by the bathrooms. I liked to run it when I came here alone. It was a glorious walk through a Bob Ross painting. My mind cleared and my thoughts quieted, and I simply experienced the woods. My feet on the path, my dogs panting, the nature sounds, the beauty of the sky. And I absolutely loved it. About halfway now, and the city's sounds had faded away till I could only hear the birds and frogs and insects all singing their songs of territory and mating and life. Crack utter silence and absolute stillness. My dogs and I turned instantly towards the source of the sound and froze. Behind us and to the right, the sound had come from the crest of a hill. They could see nothing and heard only the dogs panting. I waited for the nature sounds to return. They did not. All three of the dogs slowly raised their ruffs, first standing on end all around their shoulders and necks, tails held tall and proud making themselves look larger and more threatening. I took a step towards them, and the female husky, the leader of my little pack, instantly put her ears back and her head down and pulled me down the path. All three of them left their tails and ruffs up, but the two males also put ears back and heads down and began to pull me. So off we went. The woods were still silent. He must have startled a buck on the slope of the hill, not seen him. And after we passed, he leapt up the hill and jumped a dead tree and his hoof hit a dead branch and the branch broke crack and scared everyone. Why were the woods still silent? Maybe there's someone up there. Homeless people must stay here sometimes. The bathrooms have heat so the pipes don't freeze. This is about as far out as the path goes. It would be a good place to sleep. Maybe he's setting up a shelter and crack broke a branch. Why were the woods still silent? We were about as far from the city as we could get in these woods, and you couldn't see the CVS sign or the glow from streetlights or even hear the traffic noises. It was dark and still and absolutely quiet except for the panting dogs and four sets of footsteps on the path. Dimitri, I wanted to run. The dogs wanted to run. Bigfoot. That was a Bigfoot breaking a log to say get out. There are no Bigfoot in city limits, I promise you that. Brain. It was a deer. The woods are still quiet because of U.S. I have 200 pounds of dog here at bees, they're the big huskies, and another 200 pounds of me. Yeah, I'm a little fat, but I've got good muscle underneath. 
I have broad shoulders that don't fit into women's shirts and big hands that don't fit into women's gloves. I can lift 100 pounds over my head. We are the scariest thing in these woods. There's no bear. There's no wolves. There's no Bigfoot. There are deer and there are foxes and there might be an angry raccoon. But we are the biggest, baddest, scariest thing in these woods. Unless there's someone with a gun. Shut up. You're not helping. The dogs had not stopped once to sniff or mark. Heads down, ears back, tails and ruffs still held high, they just wanted to go. We'd gone almost a mile now, me craning my head the whole time, trying to see as far as I could in all directions while letting the dogs pull me down the path, and it was still absolutely silent. Not an overflying goose. Not a crick. Nothing moved. Nothing made a sound except us. Here came the third and longest of the three steep hills on this trail. I had been running these to rebuild my strength and endurance, but if I ran this I'd be blown at the top, the top where it curved around as it crested and you couldn't see anything past the thick trees, or out from the top where if you were deeper in the woods, you could follow a more gradual ridge up to the crest of the hill and wait, unseen for someone to come up the path. Ambush. It was a deer. Turn around. It was just a deer. What if it's behind us? Ambush. Deer. Gun. Bigfoot. This is why I run. The noise in my head is unbearable otherwise. We're up the hill. Walk. Pay attention. Watch the dogs. The dogs were still on alert, but didn't hesitate to go up the hill. In fact, they wanted to go faster. Just walk. Don't get smoked. Be able to run or fight if you have to. Yeah, okay. I'm scared too. The woods should not still be silent. The dogs should not still be on alert. It's not a cat or a bear or a wolf, and I really doubt it's Bigfoot. Birds could be a person, so let's be smart. Just walk. We are not good prey, the dogs will protect me. The huskies might not, alone, but the shepherd will and they'll follow his lead. Be smart and get out. Only another mile now to the lake in the first parking lot, then another half mile along the lake to the second lot, where my van was. Hearing traffic noises now, but still no birds. No crickets. No frogs. The smell almost stopped me in my tracks, but the dogs kept pulling. Sour and grassy and oddly metallic and shit, shit and blood and partially digested grass. I smelled the contents of a deer's stomach. Someone hunted these woods, and the dogs were not at all interested in the smell. We ran. I don't remember much of that last mile. We just ran. Desna, the big female husky finally stopped to drink some lake water as we came out by the parking lot. Then she began to sniff and pee. The boys followed her lead. There was a single truck parked. I relaxed quite a bit, but still felt on edge. Down the lake in the next parking lot, I could see headlights. They must be parked at the turnaround at the end of the lot closest to the lake. Their headlights illuminated the lakeside path. They're watching us. Halfway to the van now and the car drove away. Twenty feet from the van, I heard a motor coming down the nearest path. I decided to put the dogs in the car on the driver's side instead of the passenger side, like normal. The sound of the motor came closer. The leashes caught on the armrest, and I had to untangle them before the dogs could jump into the van. The motor came closer down the path. I had to be gone before it came out. I knew it with an absolute certainty. Finally, the dogs were in, and Ilaka slammed the door and jumped in the front. Fumbling for the lock button, shaking hands and clipping the keys from my jogging belt, starting the car and gunning it into reverse. 
and as my headlights swept over the entrance of the path by the bathrooms, they lit up a four-wheeler coming out of the woods. I was dropping the transmission into drive and hitting the gas, and as my brain processed what my eyes saw, it informed me there was something across the handlebars. A gun? A deer carcass? And he couldn't tell, and because of the angle when pulling away, I couldn't see him in the rearview mirror at all. On March 18, 2023, I was awoken in the middle of the night at about 3 or 4 a.m. The room was still dark, but there was a slight glow to the room. I was half-conscious and gradually regained more awareness with my eyes fully opened. My body was completely paralyzed, but I was fighting and screaming at the entities in the room. I used every strength I had to fight them, reaching my hands out and screaming what I thought was aloud but was telepathic. My body lost all functioning, and I couldn't even open my mouth to scream, but I did mentally as loud as I possibly could. Now I knew they heard every word I screamed at them. I fought them with all the energy I could. I told them they have no authority to touch me or take anything from me, that I had my free will and they were not permitted to do anything to me. I felt them put more energetic force on me, and I began to get more and more tired, unable to stop them, and felt I couldn't fight them any longer and just give up. I heard in my mind to just give up that I could not fight them. I felt like they were taking my baby from me. I had not had my period in two and a half months, and I felt I was pregnant but was not completely sure because of my age, 45. I felt it could be premenopausal symptoms as well. I eventually tired and felt myself sinking deeper into unconsciousness. I saw more than one being in the room. It was one very tall figure, about six or seven feet tall. It was wearing a robe-like gown, and it had two distinct protrusions on its large skull and forehead. It seems to have authority over the matter. There were more beings in the room smaller than the larger one. Not sure how many, but I feel there were at least two more. I remember I really hated the taller one as it seemed to have no care for what it was doing to me and what could have possibly been a small embryo of mine. I don't know if they impregnated me or if I was pregnant with my partner and they took the small fetus from us. I don't know if I was even pregnant for sure. It was just a feeling and I was screaming out to them in the middle of the night. I very quickly fell deep asleep. Next day I felt it was a horrible nightmare that my eyes were fully opened to see what I saw. But I knew very well this was a familiar feeling to me, as in 1994, I had another similar experience with two small grazes in the middle of the night when they temporarily paralyzed me and shoved something up my nose. At that time, I thought it might have been a terrifying nightmare, but over the years I was shown footage of abduction accounts and realized they were very similar to my own experience and began to realize that those experiences were as real as they felt. A couple days after this incident took place, I had the intuition to check my body to see if there was any visible evidence from my experience. So just before I had a shower, I had a look around my body, and then I noticed an indentation on my mid-back right side, just along my spine. It felt like a hole in my back with a layer of skin on top. It was something very unusual and an unlikely thing to find on your back. I feel some discomfort from it, and it feels like a wound as though it is in the process of healing. It's like a piece of tissue beside my spine has been taken. I feel a metallic feel around it, and it's slightly sensitive when I move or twist my back. 
I felt a lot of anger from this experience because I did not agree or give my permission to do whatever it is they are doing. I had to learn to just let it go and not allow fear or anger to overtake me. Yours were kind. I do feel some fear of going to bed now and have noticed I am going to bed a lot later, staying up until 2am. My partner is away a lot so I am sleeping alone most nights. I wonder if he had been there sleeping beside me if these beings would have come. I'm trying to have positive thoughts, that maybe whatever these beings are doing, to experiment with our DNA, or embryoses for some greater good. I really hope so anyways. This last experience was not at all good, and I wonder if they truly were ETs or government posing as ETs. I love to go under hypnosis to know the truth, and for a doctor or, or specialists who is familiar with these type of extractions from the body to have a look at the indentation on my back. Thanks for listening. I hope one day we will get more answers to what all these experiences mean. My mother died of cancer when I was nine. Fast forward through nine years of depression and trying to learn how to deal with it. Avid drug user to try and cope not healthy, I know. Decides to take powdered DMT, closer to ayahuasca than DMT, really a very spiritual drug. Have mild visuals for a couple hours, but nothing crazy. Decide to go for a walk by myself to this lake my mother and I visited all the time as a kid. Start talking to her randomly because I'm feeling lost and confused in my life. All of a sudden, the wind picks up heavily, but only in a circle around me. I could see trees in the distance, not moving at all. Lake was still literally only around me. Wind wasn't cold either. I could actually feel warmth just coating me like a hug. She could hear me and was trying to comfort me. Out of nowhere, a crane appears and flies down by the water. As I look at it, it turns, stares at me for ten seconds, then vanishes into thin air. To this day, cranes have always resonated with me, as my mother's spirit watching over me. People are going to say it was the drugs that made this experience happen. I don't care. At the time, and still now, I know she was there trying to communicate to me that everything was going to be okay. It's 2005. My daughter and I were visiting my papa after his quadruple bypass surgery. I set up camp for the two of us in the living room which was on the opposite side of the house from his bedroom. My daughter was only three months old at the time, so I didn't want to run the risk of waking him during midnight feedings and whatnot. We're probably into the third week of our visit. It's about 2 a.m. and the little one wakes up for a feeding. I change her, feed her, put her back to bed. I'm wide awake now so I laid back down on the pull-out couch and turned on the TV. I'm about 10 minutes into a Roseanne rerun when I start to hear sounds coming from the dining room. Thinking it was my grandpa, I turned the volume down on the TV and called out to see if he needed anything. And I didn't receive a response back, but now I can clearly hear the sound of rattling doorknobs. The dining room has double doors that open to the back deck. I sat up to look just beyond the kitchen into the dining room, and there's no one there, but the doorknobs are still rattling. This is when I start to freak the F out. Someone's trying to break into the house, and we're all going to die. So, what do I do? I curl into a ball on the bed, 
because the sudden panic attack had taken over the ability to use my brain. Within seconds of curling into the fetal position, the doorknobs stop rattling. There's absolute silence. I swear I was laying there for what seemed like an hour, but it was probably only a couple of minutes. That's when I heard the footsteps. The living room and dining room are separated by a small kitchen. These footsteps started at the entrance to the kitchen from the dining room and made their way ever so slow and steady across the linoleum floor towards the living room where I lay frozen solid, the hair standing up on my arms and back of my neck. They stopped just short of the living room. That was it. No more noise. No more footsteps. Whatever it was never retreated back in the direction it had come from. There was nothing. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. Me when I started college, my mother and little sister moved into an old house way back in the woods in Mississippi. The road leading up to it went from four-lane highway to two to gravel to dirt track to two ruts worn into the dirt with branches slapping up against the sides of your car as you drove it. It was miles from the nearest town, and that town was very small and many, many more miles from the next town. It was isolated, is what I'm saying. The owner who was the nearest neighbor told her it had been built in the twenties sometime, but it was sturdy and well-maintained. A simple but handsome little house, shotgun style, with a concrete porch on the front, and a backyard big enough for maybe some chickens and pigs if you wanted them. All around it, nothing but miles of forest, there was no air conditioning. Normally for my mom that would be a big no, but there was an attic fan which worked really well at keeping the temperature under murderous. And because of the isolation and age, it was a dirt cheap rental. Moreover though, mom took it because she said that from the moment she set foot on the property, she got this happy positive feeling about it. A kind of peaceful vibe. She said it felt like a home more than a house. When I came to visit for the first time, I had to agree. I immediately felt this sensation of welcome there. Almost like it was constantly a holiday, and any minute someone you love is going to come through the door. Maybe I'm overselling it, but it was just a nice little place to be. It was only a couple hours drive from me, so I visited as often as I could. Especially when I felt like I needed a retreat from school. One night I was there for a weekend, sitting in the living room, and waiting for dinner when I heard my sister and mom from the kitchen talking about the Indians. I couldn't hear exactly what they were saying, but it sounded like people they knew. As far as I was aware, the local native tribes were way long gone from the world, and so I was curious who they meant and asked her later at the table. Oh, sometimes we see these people running through the backyard from the kitchen window. Her sister calls them Indians, but they just look like children playing to me. We only ever catch glances of them through the window. If you go outside, they're never there. She went on to tell me she had seen all sorts of unusual things since they moved in. Mostly small things that could easily be explained. Two were very strange, though. Very the positive feeling she'd felt about the place had bloomed into a full-on nurturing. To the point that when she went to bed at night, she felt as if the house was tucking her in. No physical sensation, just a sense of being loved and she kept seeing lights in the front room. She said at first she thought it was cars pulling up into the front yard and light reflecting off then into the windows, but she never heard a car and would go outside to find no one there. It was almost like someone shining a mirror into the windows, just moving glints and flashes. Oddly, 
No one found any of this disturbing. Never saw any of that myself, and things went on as usual. And that is then my first year ended, and I came for one last visit before going out of town for my summer job. It was late one night, and I was sitting out on the front porch, enjoying a cigarette. The stars that far out into nowhere are amazing. I was happy for the way the year had gone and excited for the summer, and just enjoying the night. It was hot, but there was a little bit of a breeze. I could hear the hum of the attic fan behind me, in the house, and from the woods the whine and chirp from the crickets, and cicadas, and countless other night critters. Those of you who've heard it know it has some variation. This symphony, but is a constant wall of sound. I had mostly tuned it out, thinking of not much of anything when I noticed it seemed to be getting louder. Then it was definitely getting louder. Then it was kind of scary loud, and then it just stopped. Be full on, full stop. Not a chirp or a creak or a croak. Not only that, but I couldn't hear the fan going inside anymore. Even the light breeze had stopped. Just silence all around. I was afraid I'd suddenly gone deaf, but I could hear my feet scraping on the porch and my own breathing. I thought about making a bigger noise or calling out, but I was startled by the suddenness of it. Also figured that that many things going silent all at once might be a precursor to something else. Sure enough, I started to hear something else. It was a sort of rhythmic thrumming, very faint, a steady and soft hoom-hoom sound, low almost like a heartbeat. Heard it built a bit, but never got loud, always just barely over the threshold of hearing. It almost could have been a train, but there were no tracks anywhere near us. The weather was clear. The highway far off, it didn't sound mechanical anyway. But it didn't sound entirely organic either. I walked off the porch into the front yard to try to hear it better, and I could feel it in the ground. The soft pulsing in time with the sound. I was barefoot, but I think even with shoes I'd have noticed it. I could feel it in my ankles and knees, the whole world beating like a big heart. After a while I wasn't even sure if I was really hearing it or just feeling it. There was no major change from that point on, although I imagined it was continuing to build. And after some time, I have no idea how much it just stopped. No fade, just silence again. Then, just as suddenly as they had stopped before, the crickets and other noisemakers started up again. I went inside and went to bed. Mom had to move out of the house while I was away for the summer, a different story. But she still talks about it. She told me she'd mentioned all this stuff to the owner, who was a very nice older lady, and that she suddenly went all cagey on her and didn't want to talk about it. Last I heard the owner passed and her heirs sold the land. The house is surely gone now.